can turn with me to Psalms. Let's see. Find it here. Um, 102, 13. Psalms 102. Psalms 102, 13. And um, in my new King James, this reads, um, but you, no, for you, you will arise and have mercy on Zion for the time to favor her. Yes, the set time has come. So um, I was um, back to this Jane Hammond book and in this chapter, um, I, I wanted to get to this. It is so um, it just has stuck with me, and it had to do, it's in the chapter about the voice of God, and towards the, at the end of the chapter, she goes into um, this other um, ex, uh, word that she got, direction that she got in prayer one morning, prophetic word, prophetic direction, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is really a powerful thing, like easy to just read, go, that's bless me, and move over, but I'm like, this is, it's very significant. It deals with some things in our minds, some strongholds in our mind. So let me let, uh, just read the um, story, uh, how she relates that she came about the word. It gives you some context. Um, and she, she starts out, has the voice of God ever taken you by surprise? There are times when I seek the Lord and listen diligently for his voice. But on other occasions, God speaks something to me seemingly out of the blue. And I then have to discern what to do with it. He has spoken to me in a grocery store, in grocery stores, while driving my car, while in a restaurant, and even in the middle of a conversation about something completely unrelated. You would expect me to be listening carefully for his voice during a time of prayer. However, one morning, God caught me off guard while I was busy praying. That's kind of an oxymoron, but it's so true. Yeah, so true. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, oh, the Lord says that's something, yeah. As I was in our morning time of prayer at Christian International, I was walking and praying in the Spirit. Suddenly, get this adjusted. Suddenly, I heard the Lord say, set the time. I looked at my watch, and it read 847. I looked at the clock on the wall, and it read 842. I thought to myself humorously, hmm, is it irritating to God that the wall and the clock is running slow? My husband is always fixing details like that, straightening pictures, resetting clock hands, so I went over to set the time. When I did, I noticed that there was a logo in the middle of the clock, and under that were the words established 1847. It was 847. And I was setting the time on a clock that read 1847. Seemed to me God was up to something. As I continued to walk and pray, I had a couple of thoughts. First, I recognized that we were living in a set time of favor, and that's the scripture, Psalms 102, 13, that I just read. I was pondering the thought that this might be a strategic time to draw on the favor of the Lord, not only for personal advancement and blessings, but also for the divine purposes of heaven being worked in our churches and in our nations. Scripturally, whenever favor shows up, everything changes. When God gave Israel favor in the sight of the Egyptians, for instance, everything changed. They were released from bondage and given great wealth which launched them into a new season to move forward and be established. We're in such a time right now, individually, corporately, and in our nations. Second, I recognized that the clock on the wall was running behind time, that the movement of the hand forward was a sign that God was catching us up with his timetable. So to correct the time, she would have to move, move it forward. 
God is now initiating the work to catch us up and put us right in the middle of his plan. This applies to personal areas of breakthrough as well as those of our churches and nations, meaning we can advance past places we may have been bogged down or forgotten or gotten off course. So very significant. We've all experienced that, those seasons of time when you're off, you're, you feel behind. That's a bad feeling, doesn't it? Like everybody else seems to be running well and you're behind. You're out of sync uh, and, and you feel like you've lost time. That's a, uh, I, I just think we, we experience that. It's, it's, a, it's how do you fix that other than get anxious, right? And do more, which doesn't normally work well. So I actually think this thing hits us at different times um, or we'll see something going on in somebody else's life and that anxiousness hits you. And there, the Lord may or may not be saying anything to you at the time, but if anxiousness hits you, anxiety hits you, if you feel like you're behind, it, it causes unrest and more bad things come out of that. You start to strive, you start to press on your relationships. It's just, it's, it's not a good thing. It's not, it's not peaceful. So it's really, it's good to acknowledge this and uh, good to just take a moment to, hey, this happens to us. Be careful, be aware what's really going on. And so there's a difference when the Lord kind of gives you this word, and it's true. When he wants to advance you, boom, boom, all of a sudden you're, you're hooked up and connected. It's, it's crazy. It's not by striving. It's by his sovereign spirit. He will catch you up if you're behind. He'll dial you in if you're out of sync. Trust him to do that. Um, this, uh, this applies to personal areas of breakthrough as well as those of our churches and nations, meaning we have, we can advance past places we may have been bogged down. Okay. I was flooded with these thoughts as I continued earnestly to pray in the spirit. Suddenly the Lord said to me again, set the time, which means you didn't get it yet. I've experienced that. Like, oh, I'm like trying to, I have to figure something out. I see something. I see something that's prophetic, but I can't figure. I'm like, what, something happens. And I go, what did that, what does that mean? What did that, what did that mean? And uh, especially through, and during times of anointing, wow. Everything is, everything all of a sudden is lit up. Everything's speaking to you. That's, I love those times. I love those seasons. You can see a silly sign on the side of a truck, and it's like has a you know has a prophetic meaning. So it's not ridiculous. That happened. I've experienced that. I'm like, oh my gosh! Like the world is is God's message painted all over the place. So that's probably always true. There's just times we can see it, and times we can't. Sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. You know. Sometimes you're dialed in. Sometimes you're you know somewhere else. Anyways. Lord, be merciful to us. When he repeated himself, I realized I was not getting the full impact of what he was saying, so I began looking up every scripture that had chapter and verse 847 to see if I could further discern his message. I found that in all the Bible, there are only three verses that apply, that she felt applied. So um, the first one is 1 Kings 847. If you have your Bible, we can turn there. 1 Kings 847. 1 Kings 847. It's in here somewhere. Supposedly, I'm, there I did. I thought I marked my page. Now I'm at, was it 1st or 2nd Kings? It's 1st Kings yeah, First Kings eight forty seven. It's kind of a. It's good to work this out in our minds because there are some things we get stuck on that aren't necessarily true, but they seem like they are. 
and we'll say them to ourselves and say them to one another and we all just kind of shake our head, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and one of those subjects, a little tricky, so I'm just kind of going here by the grace of God, is the timing of the Lord. And as soon as something's not happening the way we would hope it did or have our expectation or our faith, then we, we move into this timing thing. And, and perhaps we should just, if you don't understand something, I, I'll recommend being quiet for a while. Because when you engage in trying to explain it, like hopefully as parents you learn this with your children, when they ask you a question that's over your pay, above your pay grade, and they can ask those questions, how many of you know, how many of you been stumped by a three-year-old? Here's my recommendation: don't answer them if you don't know the truth. They can smell it a mile away, and by answering things that you don't understand yet, you create in them doubt. And unbelief. Much better to say, I'm not sure what the answer to that is. Have a conversation, but don't, because in the end, they need to have a revelation, anyways, on their own, and they actually can get those. There's not a junior Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit can speak. To it's important for us. I, I've had to learn this is like I was some, the most absolutely opinionated person you know, as I was young, and I, that got better as I got older, being opinionated. Stronger. It grew, you know? It's like a bad ward or something, you know? It's like, yeah, here I am. I'm older and it's big, you know? And so uh, it takes wisdom to dial that down and realize I'm talking a lot, but I'm full of myself, you know? I mean, when I was playing with the cousins on the farms and back in the days, like this is the 60s, when we, there were strip mines and no one covered them up. They were great to play in, climb on the hills, the rocks, the ledges, and then there was always water in them, probably dangerous, and structure, you know, the leftover equipment from doing that. No one cleaned up. It was just kind of like, yeah, you here. You got the farm, and here's the leftovers of the strip mining equipment. Play on them, wasps, all, you know, the whole nine yards. It was great fun. Sometimes they'd leave a big drag line, and that's really fun to climb all over. And, and often, the water in these was seldom, seldom clear and clean. It was always had this... Often, my experience anyways, it had a red cast to it, whatever. So, you know, I remember, I remember telling this whopper of a story. Why, I'm, why I remember it, I don't know. I wish I could forget it, you know. I'm there with a cousin. We're, you know, they were visiting, and I'm telling them, and I'm, I launch into story. That's rocket fuel. Who was there to dispute that, you know? Like, that's, that's what this is. Because it looked like, you know, could be. It's a great try, you know. As adults, and especially in Christianity, we don't want to do that. <laughs> so if you don't understand something, it's okay. I've just learned to love the mysteries of God. And I'll, I'll bump into something, and I'll, I'll, everybody's got this thing, this opinion, and writing books about it. And I'm like, mm, I don't know, but I'm, I'm okay with it. I can be at peace with a mystery. This is, this is a conundrum. This is, this is beyond me. And there's, there is revelation to be had, and we come into that. And I love people. I love talking to people that really have revelation. That's sweet. There, there's, there's, a, there's like life in their lips when a person, when you encounter someone, and they have true wisdom, true revelation. They have a pure spirit. Oh, oh, that's just like sweet honey. They're not full of resentment and bitterness and anger and all that stuff and opinions. But when they speak, they speak truths. That, that's, I want to be that person. And so that's what we're going after. Like to, and with this thing of timing, because it's a, actually a big subject. And I've been on both sides of it. 
Here is a situation in 1 Kings, and um, Israel had sinned, been caught captive. And in verse, uh, I'll start in verse 46. When they sinned against you, for there is no time, no one who does not sin, and you became angry with them and delivered them to the enemy, and they take them captive to the land of the enemy far or near. Yet when they come to themselves in the land where they were carried captive, so in the place where they're captured and taken captive, they and repent and make supplication to you in the land of those who took them captive, saying, we have sinned and done wrong, we have committed wickedness, um, and when they, in verse 48, when they return to you with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their enemies who led them away captive and pray to you, uh, pray to you toward their land, which you gave to their fathers, the city which you have chosen and the temple which I have built for your name. Then here in heaven, your dwelling place, their prayer and their supplication and manifestation and their cause. And this, this goes on. Uh, and the principle is, is here. When you're captive, the time for deliverance, the timing for it, is when you realize what a mess you've gotten yourself in, that you're not living in your land anymore, you've been taken captive, and you acknowledge that, and you repent, and you turn your heart back to God, and you turn your, hand, your heart back to your land. Like, this is a big deal in the Old Testament. It maybe should be a bigger deal for us. In, back to your land. You face your land. And you pray to that place. And you pray, you're, you're like there's a repentance. And you've come to a place of changing. So the timing has to do with when you finally come to repentance. And this was a story continually with Israel. And they couldn't go but 40 years maybe. Something like that. Staying out of trouble. And pretty soon they were right back in the same mess they had been in. I remember studying Gideon. It's like all the things, the exploits, the things of getting deliverance and, and, and these men that were awesome warriors, they get delivered and walk through all that. And it was only about a generation they were back in this again. I'm like, no way. And you start standing with God and you're like, wow, how do you keep patient with these people? And then you go, how do you stay patient with me? I should have known better. What's wrong with me? What's the matter with me? You know. So sometimes we have something to do with setting that time. And sometimes it's repentance. That's one issue. That's one area. So this is a good example of that. So let me set this aside. And let's look at Luke chapter 8, verse 47. All right, and um, crazy story, actually. We read it, we know it, like we have this Sunday school mentality of this story, but something crazy happened here. So Jesus is in Galilee. We go back to verse 40, and you see that. And a man named Jairus approaches him, like in verse 41, 42, and he desperately begged him to come and heal his 12-year-old daughter, his only child, because she was at the point of death. So, desperate man, I get it, yeah. Come, heal my daughter. I don't care who you are or what you are. I, I, know, I, I believe you can heal, come and heal her. We'll deal with this other stuff later. And there was some interruption in that, and him going, it's not real clear, like maybe he, Jesus was going to go, and there was an interruption. Jesus started to go with him to his home to see her, but a large crowd surrounded him. In the crowd that day was a woman who had suffered greatly for 12 years from slow bleeding. 
or an issue of blood, uh, other translations use. Even though she had spent all that she had on healers, she was still suffering. Verse 44, pressing in through the crowd, she came up behind Jesus and touched the tassel of his prayer shawl, probably his outer garment. So she touches something to do with his outer garment. She touches that. That's all. She didn't touch his body. She didn't touch his flesh. She just touched a part of his clothing. Instantly, her bleeding stopped and she was healed. Bam! Here's the mystery. Jesus had to ask, what happened? Who did that? What was that? So, back to rearrange some of our thinking. It's not bad theology. It's just like, don't get too settled that you know how God works and when God works. And so we'll sing this song, like when Jesus walk, when Jesus is in the room, everything changes. When he comes, that's good. That's a good song. It's a good, great concept. He's walking here, but what is this deal that he doesn't re- even realize? He has to ask a question. Now, if you really take this to heart and go, Jesus didn't know who drew virtue from him, it's recorded. For a reason. Take a look. So Jesus suddenly stopped, said to his disciples, someone touched me. Who is it? And they're like, are you kidding us? You know, we're like your SS, your secret service, you know, police trying to take care of you and keep you out of this mess. The crowd's increasing and you like somebody touched you. Of course they did. You keep putting yourself in these bad situations. It'd be like trying to keep track of Donald Trump. I had to throw that in there. Okay. The crowds are so thick, we can't walk through all these people without being jostled, without bumping into them. Jesus replied, yes, but I felt power surge through, through me. Someone touched me to be healed, and they received their healing. He's like, no, stop. Somebody drew something from me. And this poor woman, I mean, she has a moment right here that if you're not paying attention, you don't appreciate. It's that thing like, it was me. And the culture of the time, I don't know what her background was, but just just in general, it's kind of a no-no. I don't know what she violated. I'm certain things because she wasn't like, oh, I did. You know, she's like, oh, no, I'm dead. She was unclean for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just that, that, that alone. Yeah. Forget everything else. She was unclean. She should never have touched, not even the hemp garment. Big rebuke coming like <laughs> execution. I don't know what happens when you violate that. So, Kurt, thank you so much for taking the time of communion. And just, yeah, it's so good. It's all so good. Like, thank God for grace, for Jesus taking care of that. She realized she couldn't hide any longer. She came and felt, she's like, he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna point me right out. I might as well fess up. She came, fell trembling at Jesus' feet before the entire crowd. She declared, I was desperate to touch you, Jesus, for I knew if I could just touch even the fringe of your robe, I would be healed. Jesus responded, amazing. Like, he's like, wow. No rebuke. Beloved daughter, your faith in me has released your healing. You may go with my peace. It's a home run. She gets to keep the prize, right? Because of her faith, what did she do? She set the time. So before you get too locked in to how the Lord works and when the Lord works and where he works, and just, just realize there is something about this. I think we all need to revisit this. 
has to do with desperation, maybe, has to do with hunger, has to do with believing, and it doesn't matter what your credentials are, whether you're qualified or not, it's that pure, do you have faith? Do you believe? And if you do, you can kind of go right past all the stop signs and the That things, you know, where the barriers are up, do not cross this line, the police lines, the tape, the whatever. And with faith, you can kind of like whoop, pop right through that and get into this place of your deliverance, of your healing to meet your need. While Jesus was still speaking to the woman, someone came from Jairus' house. And so this girl had died. Jesus, like, no, she's sleeping. Like, no, she's dead. It's like, no, she's sleeping. He walks into the house, and he resurrects her, and Jarius is like, wow, yeah, it's a good day, huh? So we have this woman, virtue, virtue. I'm like, hmm, wow. Your faith is actually able to draw, make that connection and draw that power to you. And I just would encourage you, meditate on that. Get out of your head a little bit. Get out of your head a lot. We, we all have voices. Um, I just heard somebody else. Yeah, I did. <clears throat> Someone just affirmed that recently telling me a story about something. And it's like, yes, we all have voices from our past. Voices of authority, good or bad, didn't matter, that spoke bad things to us. That declared our worthlessness. <laughs> that, it, that declared you'll never make it. That declared, declared something. Man, if only that stuff didn't stick, but it does. It just kind of, it can be the tiniest little seed, but it grows, and you become an adult, and that thing, you're still dealing with that thing, that shame, that whatever. This message deals with that. Like, it speaks to that. That seed, as powerful as it is, and as long as it's been rooted, and as big as the plant has grown, isn't more powerful than this, the word of faith that, and that you can believe and that you can even surpass the normal boundaries. You can get around them. You can get through the firewall. You can get through the blocks. You can get past the password. Like you can enter in to what, even if everybody in your life saying, you don't deserve this and you will never. Like, mm, we'll see. Because it's not about me, it's about him and it's about me believing in him. Remember the story? Jesus calms the storm. Interesting thing here. Um, did I write down the reference to it? I, I don't need to, you know. Jesus goes to sleep on the boat. That's a very clear fact. He goes to sleep. Sometimes I'm like, does, did, did, could Jesus really go to sleep? But it says emphatically he, went, he was sleeping. And a storm blows up, rises up, and there's, there's three things that he rebukes in this. They, they panic, they're in fear, they come, they shake him, and they're like, we're going to die. Our lives are in peril, we're done. He gets up when he moves into action, slaps himself awake. I don't know, what did it like Phyllis? She just, boom, I'm up. I'm awake. I'm ready to run someplace. Yeah. So he rebukes the wind. He rebukes the water. And then he rebukes the unbelief. Their unbelief. Why didn't he say, oh, good thing I was here to save you guys. They're like, Cut us some slack, like we never, you know, 
How do you deal with this? But he was, he was really strong about this. He kept doing this to people. I mean, talk about being offended and brokenhearted and having Jesus stick you with a needle. Like, you know, ouch, that hurt. Her rebuke, you know, it's not like, hey, good thing you called me. You know, like if you're the rescue guy, you're like, is that what you show up on a 911 call? It's like, it's good that you called us, right? This is our job. We've got the stuff. We've got the equipment. We've got the ambulance. You know, we've got the, we're da, 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 da. And they, you know, they save people. I'm grateful for them. That's great. But Jesus did not come in like that on this. He goes, where's you, faith, faithless, where's your faith? Like, Come on, man. We're scared to death. We don't know if we're going to live or not. But he's going after this thing. Why? Because through his old ministry, I want you to act like me. I want you to learn. I'm going away. When I do, you'll have to get it then. You better start practicing now. Right? He, you look back at the stories and how often he's like, come on, stand up. The multitude's hungry. He is always making sure that he, in, he involves the disciples or the leader in some prophetic act in it. He never goes, okay, well, like when I'm doing something, I'm like, you know, cutting something with my power tools or whatever. Stand back, you know. Tell my five-year-old grandson, stand back, you know, stay over there, you know. And I caught Jesus, it'd be like, here, come here, put your hand on the handle here. Here's my nail gun. Here's the trigger. Put it, push it up against the, against the wood and boom. He was, he was the one that would get your hands on it and say, here, you do this. He did that with Moses in Exodus 14. Peace, stand back, watch the Lord. And then the Lord has Moses raise. He, tell, he gives him instruction. He didn't have, he wouldn't have had to Moses, have Moses do anything. He already's doing his job. He led the people to this rock between a rock and a hard place or a hard, you know, whatever you want to call it. Israel again was sure they were going to die. Why'd you bring us out? They're railing, they're angry, they're accusing. We could have died in Egypt. Now you've got to brought us out here. We're going to, you know, we're going to be fish food for whatever. He looks at Moses, he goes, raise your rod and your hand. He make, the Lord makes Moses a part of this. Did you ever really pay attention to that? He would not have had to. He could have just come down and some, you know, he was already there in quite a presence and a hurrah, hooray, pillar of fire by night and, you know, cloud by day. And I was like, his presence was there. I was like, Whoom, you know, just let, just let the thing go through the water and split it, you know? The holy... Tornado with fire and wind, you know. But he has Moses stand, hold up the rod, hold up his hands. Matter of fact, when he gets tired, because it takes a while for them all to get through, it's a problem. And so you have to station some men to hold his arms up. Would you agree with me that Moses was very engaged in that miracle? A matter of fact, that indicates he was so, so much a part of it that when he physically failed, the things started, you know, the water, waters start, you know, they're starting to come back. In. I don't know. Like, the only thing more scary than Pharaoh's army coming at you is being in the middle of that thing and have the walls of water start to move back in. Like, um, hello? Moses, get those hands back up. He wants you to participate in what he's doing. He wants you to have faith. He wants you to learn to operate in faith. And then the story of all stories. Over on this issue, on this thing. And Jesus was rebuking. He rebuked them. Their, their, their little faith several times. He's always popping the disciples with that. That was like brutal. Come on, man. We're trying to learn, you know. Little faith. Oh, you've. He'd have to stick that in there. Oh, you've little faith. Do you have to bring that up again? You know, we get impatient when we're corrected. You know, did you have to, you have to add that to what was going on? 
it's true. John chapter 2, 1 5. Whose story is this? It's a wedding. On the third day, there was a wedding feast in Galilean village of Cana. And the mother of Jesus, oh no, here comes the mother thing. Jesus and his disciples were all invited to the banquet with so many guests in attendance. They ran out of wine. And when Mary realized it, she came to him and asked, they have no wine, can't you do something about it? Because she knows who he is. I don't know how she knew. I wonder if she saw things. I don't know. She knew. She knew that she knew. Enough to look him right in the eye and go, hey, you ran out of wine. He gives the typical son response. My dear one, don't you understand that if I do this, it won't, it won't charge anything for you. It won't change anything for you, but it will change everything for me in my hour, which most translation, that much language isn't in there. He's just like, what do I have to do with you? Like, what are you doing? Don't, shh, hush. My hour of unveiling my power has not yet come, which says it's not my time. No, it's not my time. Jesus says it's not my time. Anybody here willing to argue with Jesus when he says to you, it's not my time, it's not time. But then again, there's that mother factor. Fearless, will go after anything, doesn't matter. You can threaten them with their lives when they, they're on something. Like a coon dog on a scent, it's like you can't stop them. Be quiet, be quiet. They're, just, they're going to go for it. They're going to do this. You can, I've seen it. And she turns to the servants and says, hey, do what he said. Who set the time for this miracle? She made history. I've never known really where to put this scripture, honestly. It's just kind of, it's been a mystery to me. And I didn't try to explain it a whole lot, if you know what I'm saying. I think I'm getting a glimpse of it now. She tapped into something, and Jesus allowed her to set the time. He did this anyways. And he often was telling people, don't tell about this miracle. He, he knew when this story hits, <laughs> when it comes out, who I am and what I'm doing, Wow, the crowd, the, what's coming and the persecution. He knew what was coming. So there were even logical reasons why he's like, not yet, not yet, son. This, Mary comes in, steps in, out of this great pure heart. I mean, the mother of Jesus, you know. And she sets the time. I wonder... I wonder how many of us have something where out of your heart of believing and knowing and knowing what's coming and knowing what the Lord wants to do in situations, it could be any of us sitting here, that you reach out and you pull virtue out of. I mean, I'm, I'm all about the timing of the Lord and waiting on the Lord. I, I really am. That is not a, let's throw that out, you know. It's all very valid stuff. At the right time, like he didn't allow Israel to come into the promised land too early because I was just sharing this with Kevin again. and We were just rehashing this. They were slaves. They didn't have an overcoming mentality. That's why they were so quick. God said, I can't take them this way lest they run right back to where they came from. Because easy out, easy back in, yeah? Have you ever run right back to where you got set free from? No, not you. <laughs> There's a well-worn path. That's, that's why, you know. Gravity will just take you back there if you don't watch out, watch out right? So Because of that, they weren't ready. He, he led them by a different way, and he had to teach them how to fight. He had to teach them how to stand. He had to teach them to be sons, warriors, trust him. And when he pulled them out of Egypt, 
They weren't any of those things. Got to remember that. And when he pulled you out of your life, you weren't any of those things either. Just in bondage, even if it was just to yourself. So it takes time to learn how to be a son. It takes time to trust a good father. Because many on their best day aren't. Someone, whatever the ratio is. All of our parents, they all failed. Can we just get over that? Yep, they failed. They failed. They failed. Because they weren't perfect. They fell short. And now that I'm a parent, I fell short. They did to me. I did to them. You know, you're like, but we're, you know, you were working on this. We're going forward. And, and so he wants us to come into being sons. And he wants us to come to this place of believing in him that you know, even when all the voices are like, no, 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 time, it's not your time. It's not for you. There'll always be a voice. Someone will always laugh in your face about what you're dreaming about. I had it from other leaders about this church. Are you glad I kept moving forward? Well-meaning, like, oh, that was stupid. (laughs) Thanks. I went, we'll see if it was stupid. That's what I did with all that. It was a couple times. I went, we'll see. And here was, here was what I would go back to. Again, it was about trusting a father. And I, I came to this conclusion to deal with those things. My father's good, and I'm not trying to be bad, rebellious, or anything else. I'm just trying to walk the best I know how. If I can't trust him to protect me from mistakes that would radically hinder his, the outcome, then he's no good father. It's like, I trust him to watch over me, and we'll see how this works out. Because I don't think, I think he's watching over, and he knows my heart. I'm not in sin. I'm, you know, this thing I'm trying to do right. And it, I, it ended up paying off really well. I, I am rich in the Lord's blessings. That's how I look at my life. I don't have regrets. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm good. I love my life. I love my people. I love my land. I love, I, I'm very, it's a great thing to come to this place and go, hey, yeah, I'm where I'm supposed to be. If Jesus came back today, he would not rebuke me for being in the wrong place. It would be a well done. This is exactly where I was supposed to find you, and you're here. Faithful to the end. Yeah. We can all get there through trials, difficulties, discouragements, stuff going wrong. But there's this redemptive Lord that you can even tap into like he's like a soft parent. You can even tap into his, like, I don't want to do this right now, but yeah. okay. You know, it's that thing. Your children know when they can kind of, oh, come on, you know. They start their little stuff and their act. And, and you know, as long as it's not uh, rebellious or manipulating, but when it's just out of this, this thing in their heart where they're just drawing on you to do something that you just said no to, do you really, can you really get angry at that, them for that? I know, but I still want a popsicle, you know? Like, I know it's dinner, but can I? And then they put on the little charm, and you're like, ah, uh, right. Do you think God's any different than that? He, he actually is not. You can touch him. You can stir up his emotion. And the fastest way to do that is look at him with those eyes. And no, I know who you are. I know you're good to the end, from beginning to end. I know that you, you, you suffer the orphan. You find a place for the needy. It doesn't matter anything, anyone's stigma that anyone puts on me. You already have an example of rescuing that person. So I'm covered. 
qualify because you did it to others. You forgave murderers. You came, you've, you've done it all. So you tap into who he is. He's a good, good father. He's great. He's amazing. Jesus is sweet, precious, compassionate. He has another side, but I'm not worried about that. I'm staying, in the, I'm staying on the good side. I'm staying on the side of believing in him, giving him my heart continually. And in that, I don't live biting my nails. In that, I'm like, yeah. And if something's up, he's faithful. He'll tell me, hey, Rick, left, to the left, 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 left. If I don't pay attention, it gets a little, yeah. Because I've developed the ear of a disciple and tongue of a disciple. Father, we just thank you for these intriguing examples of how the timing has a lot to do with our faith and our hearts towards you. I just thank you for your goodness. And we're surrounded with the need of miraculous intervention in many areas. Number one, save our nation, redeem our nation, and get it back on track with the original purpose and destiny. We just declare that. Father, as a church, we ask that we will finish well, that we will fulfill our purpose, that we will become everything that you desire for us to be. Father, in our, in our personal lives, let us grow in faith to the point that we just start acting like you. That we have a brazen faith and confidence that you are good and that you will do it and that you will hear. We don't act like those that are sheepish and fearful, but we act like those that are totally confident and a God that made great, great promises to us. So, Father, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us for what's gone wrong because we intend to repent and do differently. And don't lead us into temptation. We trust you. You're always leading us into righteousness for your namesake. It's our intention to make you famous. And that happens by us believing in you and telling your stories. We thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You would do anything to come and rescue me. And he did, didn't he? Yeah. They're probably one of the most um, solemn of the Jewish, uh, Jewish holidays is tonight, and Phyllis touched on this already, uh, Yom Kippur. And it is different. It's... Uh, different than all the other feasts that they celebrate. So they remember that Moses had achieved forgiveness for the people of Israel uh, after the sin of the golden calf. And then these traditions started after that. They, they light candles that last for 24 hours. Um, they avoid 39 types of work for 24 hours. They fast for 24 hours. And they repent And it's good stuff. There's a couple of other uh, traditions that, that came into this D Day of Atonement. One is called Caparote. And Caparote consists of passing a chicken over one's head three times. If a chicken is unavailable, one may use kosher fowl other than doves or pigeons, which were offered as sacrifices in the temple. 
A kosher slaughterer must be present to take care of the animal afterwards and then donate it to an orphanage. Uh, everyone is to do this, but if you're pregnant, you must use three chickens. Uh, you can also use a live kosher fish. And sometimes people perform the rite with money and then give the money at least the amount of a chicken um, to a charity. Uh, another tradition is lashes. And, and before the afternoon prayer service, it was customary for all men to receive lashes. <laughs> the recipient was to face north and kneel and uh, using a leather strap or a belt, uh, one would administer lightly uh, um, these whips or taps on the recipient's back 39 times. It would tap on the right shoulder, then the left shoulder, and then the small of the back. And this pattern would continue until all 39 lashes were administered. While the lashes were being dealt, both the administrator and the recipient recite a 13-word verse uh, three times. So. These traditions started to, to come into play, and I don't want to make fun of traditions. We have our own, but sometimes they can take over the intended meaning of the day. And I just want to go back to the Old Testament for a minute and read the requirements to enter into the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement. So listen for when you would be disqualified. Is it the 10th day of the seventh month? So if you're good at reading a calendar, you're still okay. Uh, have you put on the correct linen garment? Maybe. Have you washed yourself in water today? Some of you might be excluded. Have you avoided everything unclean? Can you see? Can you walk without a limp? Are your arms equally long? Are your legs equally long? Are you free from scars and blemishes? Are you free from sickness? Are you a Levite? Are you a descendant of Aaron? Are you a man? Half of you, bye-bye. Are you a priest? All of you, bye-bye. Have you slaughtered the goat and the bull? Do you have the proper uh, uh, chalice to carry, carry the sacrificed blood? And the list goes on and on that, it, that would exclude you. Do you know who can enter into the Holy of Holy today's and, and commune directly with God, each and every one of you? You don't have to re-meet these requirements like Phyllis said. Jesus met them already. Again, we have our own traditions. We have our own rituals. And communion can become a ritual. We can take things for granted. I don't want you to take this moment for granted today. You can have your day of atonement. You can speak directly to the one and ask forgiveness to the one who actually died for your sins right now. So the table is prepared for atonement today. And this is something, we want to give praise today. This is something, come up and you can be forgiven. Is that worthy of praise? Yeah.